0: This is a podcast by Householders' Options to Protect the Environment, HOPE Australia. We are a community environmental education and capacity building organisation based in Toowoomba, South East Queensland, Australia. This is a podcast in the series Eco-Social Work in Australia. It was produced for HOPE Australia in Toowoomba, Queensland, on and adjacent to the traditional lands of the Jarawa, Guyabal, Yuggera and Waka Waka peoples. Hope pays respect to the past, present and emerging leaders of all First Nations people in this country and acknowledges the unique contribution that their cultures make to contemporary Australia. Hello, my name is Andrew Nicholson and I'm the producer of the Eco Social Work in Australia podcast series. Stimulated by the increased interest in Eco Social Work ideas occurring from around 2017, a number of branches of the Australian Association of Social Workers, the AASW, the peak organisation in this country, started to collate and share eco-social work ideas and practice and to network this information with colleagues. My podcast guest today, Benny McKenzie, is a social worker in mainstream practice in the Gold Coast region of southeast Queensland. He is vice president of the AASW South Queensland branch and a member of the AASW National Advisory Panel on Climate Change. Within the last few years, Benny has been active in finding ways to embed eco-social work practice principles into his mainstream work and to find opportunities to spread the word on eco-social work approaches to his colleagues and other social workers at local, regional and national levels. He talks with me today about some of his activities and ideas relevant to this work. So Benny, uh, welcome and great to talk with you today.
1: Thanks Andrew, thank you, how are you?
0: Yeah, fine, Um, it's still a bit chilly where I'm podcasting from but um, it's great to know there's still some cold cold weather to be experienced. Look, I want to start the conversation today, as with other podcast guests, by asking you to introduce yourself more fully. You know, you've got a very full CV, a lot of uh, professional experience. Perhaps give us give us some milestones of your professional background and also some idea about when and how you first became aware of the potential for the physical environmental dimension within social work practice. And as as part of that still evolving body of eco-social work occurring within the professional mainstream here in Australia.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up on terrible land up on the north side of Brisbane. um, And I don't know, I I feel like I've had a kind of a a hankering for justice since I was a a real young fella. Um, And I kind of went off the rails a bit when I was teenage, late teens, you know, early 20s, and um, came back from that and thought I needed something to uh, give back. A little bit and found social work and that um really gave a voice to some of my hunger for justice that i'd always felt i think uh in terms of green or eco um social work stuff i think it's just an extension for justice to me uh i saw a um presentation by uh, dr jennifer body um, at a asw conference years ago and that really brought home the um the social work angle around climate change in terms of, uh, you know, um, weather events affecting people um, proportionate basically to their level of privilege uh, and therefore, you know, the disadvantage um, impact there. Uh, and I read Lena Dominelli's book, Green Social Work, pretty early on, uh, I think probably the year it was published. Um, and that, that, I, I like that book a lot. Um, I think it's quite, I like how it kind of aims for practical tasks. Uh, in the book itself uh, and that just got me thinking and you know, I've been involved in some of the protest movement stuff around Stop Adani and uh, those sorts of groups uh, beyond zero emissions and it's just it's just um, trying to do as much as you can toward uh, you know society as as a whole um, dealing with climate change that we're facing you just do a bit here and there and I think the justice aspect of social work really fits in well with that.
0: Yeah so interesting to hear you know not necessarily in any order, but drawing upon some of the early, you know, theories, um, you know, coming out of uh, some of the key thinkers, you know, in social work. Dominelli, you mentioned Jennifer Body here in Australia, but then you making some links to, you know, uh, existing activism interests or ongoing campaigns. So let's just um, firm that up a bit more now by coming to the sort, I suppose, the sort of core one of the first, uh, one of the four core questions in, in that I put in each of these interviews. This first one, for you, you've just started to touch upon it, but for you specifically, what does eco-social work practice mean for you in 2021? What are some of its key ideas, principles and approaches in your view?
1: Yeah, well, I think eco-social work, um, and I I know at the the moment there's kind of a few phrases that get bandied around in in terms of what it's actually called. Um, A colleague recently introduced me to the term eco-kin, which I really like, and I think that was a, Uh, English-language version of trying to capture that Indigenous spirit of of connection with country. Um, uh, But, yeah, whatever it's called, I think, to me, it's really a full use of systems mapping. Obviously, as social workers, that's core um, to what we do. Uh, And, you know, we talk about micro, meso, macro, um, domains of practice, all those sorts of things in the the theory side of our work. Um, And I think climate and natural environment is the overarching framework in which all, all other um, uh, issues take place. So it, it is, it's the most macro of macro systems and, and without a healthy environment, we can't live. So, um, you know, that requires a healthy relationship with the environment. And that's also relationship is so core to social work. So I think, and I think justice applied through that use of systems mapping and really looking at a whole, a holism that includes environment, I think justice applied there can ripple through everything. You know, you, you can talk about property ownership, land management, public transport, the building codes, food production, um, you know, all climate action, I suppose, has has effects through all those systems. Um, so I think it's eco-social work practice is really about applying justice and system theory to the human impact on climate and the impact of that climate change on, on us then, especially in terms of it affecting disadvantaged groups differently
0: and this links uh, quite nicely into the next question but you know you've already said that you you became aware of uh, more specifically the social work and climate change link you know through some of the theorists talking about that in the australian context like people like body etc but china trying to, trying to drill down a bit more firm this up again a bit more specifically from your perspective um, how can eco-social work intervention help tackle climate change and other sustainable development challenges in practical, on-the-ground terms? Have you got any any sort of thoughts about that in terms of your own work and um, Yeah, well,
1: well, I think again, again, social worker, uh, you know, systems um, thinking or systems designers. I think you're talking about managing mass change. I mean, I've heard it said something about there was someone said something about COVID being the biggest social change since World War Two. In terms of mass structural, you know, redeployment, essentially. Um, and I, I think, honestly, once we start taking climate change seriously in a, in a governmental way, um, that's it's going to be an even bigger change than what we're seeing with COVID, and it's going to need to be managed a hell of a lot better. Um, and social workers can really play a massive role in that, not not just in facilitating a rollout or something of some program, but in actually designing new social structures. To deal with the climate impact that is already upon us, but also to you know head off any any more, um, because so much of it is linked, and so much of it needs to be done in a way that's coordinated. And I think the ability to create good systems design and be good advocates um, allows social work to be really important in that space. I think some of the immediate stuff is is stuff exactly like what you're doing, Andrew, that raising awareness. Um, putting the word out there, talking, talking about it. A lot of people have solutions. Um, and you know a lot of people are quick to point out problems as well. but if if we're all talking uh, and able to share those ideas, then we can get uh, we can get more and more people helping you know helping pulling carbon out of the atmosphere again in some uh, big projects or uh, designing transit corridors or whatever needs to be done, you know.
0: I think you know what I've taken from that is, activity and activism as being some of the key themes you know the need for the social work profession to get involved hands-on in some of these initiatives I mean you, you mentioned COVID-19 there and this is not the sort of context to discuss uh, COVID-19 because it, it's it, it's a massive subject and it would require a podcast all of its own perhaps we will get one of those later on but I just you know some of the parallels that have been drawn very quickly uh, between COVID-19 for instance and um climate change in terms of the needed response you know for instance the the need to listen uh, to scientific advice and take scientific risk assessments seriously and act upon it the need for strong government leadership to actually back um those uh, assessments and adequate and proper funding to make the uh, strategic uh, activities you know viable uh probably a proper amount of funding as, as some of those parallels i think are very useful to be thinking about um but look, you know, staying with that, um, tra- you know, sort of activist aspect of social work, I mean, it, it touches upon an older tradition uh, within, there's always been present, my understanding within the social work profession, I mean, I, I I, sort of trained in the 80s, I must admit, I didn't encounter it a lot. But I know, you know, from reading around the topic, that it's always been there, a radical transformative framing for social work action that you know it's it's a valid and important role for the social work to be involved with the major challenges of the day and and now we're talking about the physical challenges eco social work is is emphasizing the physical challenges it's largely in the past been about the social challenges but we now know that there's such a close uh you know very close connection between the two social justice environmental justice Mm -hmm. so let's just stay with that for a moment um you know it's it's i suppose it's always the case you know there's a vanguard of ideas that are floating around we've talked about some of the theorists you know you encountered early on uh going back perhaps almost 10 years now um but you know what about the mainstream thinking about the mainstream now of social work practice in this country in 2021 to ask that sort of provocative question that the so the so what question almost um <laughs> You know, uh, unnecessary for, for people like yourself, like yourself and myself who are interested in this, you know, and absolutely con, con convinced that social work needs to go down this path of greater activism around physical environmental challenges. But why should the mainstream social work profession in this country be involved with climate change problems and other sustainability sustainability issues, as you've just outlined? Let's just nail it down for those listeners out there in cyberspace.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I always struggle with this question because I feel like I, you know, I don't need to validate myself or, or the issue or the need to respond. But yeah, but there are those naysayers, whatever you want to call them, that will say why to anything you're trying to do. Um, I think in, in this space, the short answer is just justice. Um, this is our planet. This is our home. Um, I, I would put it to anyone listening that why wouldn't justice advocates be concerned in this space? Um, it's probably the greatest existential threat we've ever faced. Um, and, you know, if, if governments of the world can have this kind of a reaction to a virus uh, and yet we can't coordinate to have a reaction to the chance that we're cooking ourselves, um, we, we, you know, there's, <laughs> we need more and more people advocating in this space. We can't, we can't afford to have people asking why that's that's just ridiculous um, you know it's it's a it's upon us if you can't see it happening there's something wrong with you um, I mean the 2019 fires were scary as hell um, and and peace to everyone up in the northern hemisphere because they're they're going through a bit at the moment with fires and floods and landslides um, I'm a little bit worried to be honest about what our summer will bring here um, especially if we have a dry one again um, rainforest burning is not something that I can even still now, get my head around. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's a question I need to answer. Anyone that asks me that seriously is, is probably um, maybe going to get a bit of a slap. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to ask why. We need to get on with, with fixing things up.
0: I must admit, I couldn't agree more with you, you know, personally. I suppose it's almost that thing about the need for balance, you know, almost in the journalistic um supposedly robust media environment yeah. you know, where you're supposed to get a balance of views. But look, you know, it is a no brainer from my perspective as well. I mean, I was joking a little bit at the, uh, at the beginning of the interview in terms of the, uh, the cold weather, you know, in my particular neck of the woods in uh, Toowoomba in South East Queensland, but we know that um, the winters are getting shorter all the time in Australia, which, you know, might suit some people, but the, 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 the reality is that what comes after the winter is a no doubt intensified summer, you know, as you just pointed to. This stuff is obvious to many of us, but, again, I suppose just playing the, the sort of devil's advocate here or being naive, if you like, for the benefit of the interview, um, just spelling this stuff out. Um, and I another another theme in each of these podcast interviews as we move through the sequence of you know past present and future we've been looking at you know some of your past the past influences upon you in terms of your interest in eco-social work some of your thinking around the present situation and the mainstream but I then ask um, each guest to actually you know dream a little you know in a creative and positive way uh, ask them to vision and give me their personal vision, if you like, about where eco-social work might take us or where it needs to take us uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. So to cut to the chase on that one, what do you think the future could hold for eco-social work interventions as a body of practice within the social work mainstream in Australia, say over the next two to 10 years, however you want to cut that up?
1: Okay, well, I, I like, Andrew, that you I get to dream a bit. That's good. I probably, um, as uh, people will have already um, understood, I, I tend to go out to the macro pretty quick anyway. So getting grandiose is not a problem. <laughs> um, I I think in terms of body of practice as a phrase, scope of practice, all that sort of stuff. Um and even the concept of a of a discipline itself, I think we really are going to move into a space where we're working transdisciplinarian. Um, because we can't do this without economists, ecologists, agronomists, you know, whoever. You know, there's it can't be just social work, but I think for me what makes social work so important is, one, the holism for justice. I mean, we can't really have environmental justice until we start looking at the exploitation of female small landholders in, um, in, food, in agrarian sort of societies. Um, we can't uh, move forward really without dealing with racism um and you know it's in fact its effect on land ownership and um, food production and and many many other ways so we need that holism social work needs to be there for that it also needs to be there for the coordination role um the systems mapping the systems design the advocacy the communication skills um every now and then maybe use of silence that's always fun i mean even just in day-to-day practice in micro stuff i mean you know you can still be looking also at how you're clients in whatever capacity you see clients in um how their access is to fresh and clean water and air um, how their access is to uh, peaceful time in nature um, what their access is to shade and other ways to uh, protect themselves from elements um, shelter obviously um, and and all and and that's kind of an assessment phase i guess that can be in part of an, any sort of assessment phase but it's also um, some of the climate projects, some of the activist movements, some of the ways that we can change the way we live as individuals can be part of a therapeutic alliance, can be part of helping someone progress in their, their goals and their mood. Um, so it can be, it can be micro uh, in practice as well. Um, and, you know, and I think at a MISO level, it's all the um, sort of networking that we can do, uh, including within our own structures, the ASW branches and the national board. Um, there is the um, national advisory panel on climate action, of course, as well. Um, so that, yeah, so, so to go from, from grandiose back down to uh, micro level, I think there's lots that can be done all, all the way along that sort of um, micro to macro um, line.
0: You've touched upon, you know, that's a nice continuum there, the micro, meso, macro, you know, embedding practice, uh, embedding eco-social work ideas and approaches into your direct client work, networking with colleagues around eco-social work ideas in in a, you know, part in part as a way of actually just determining how those uh, approaches can be embedded in practice and then also playing a more uh, political um you know, structured advocacy role at a higher level. I know, in fact, that you just just to touch upon that last point, uh, because I know it's something that you've actually had some direct experience of this year. I mean, do you want to say something briefly? I understand that you you went down to Canberra on an advocacy uh, mission, in a sense, with uh, another colleague to argue for you know, a better strategic effort coming out of the federal government level uh, linking climate change to health outcomes. The uh, Climate and Health Alliance, that very, um, you know, sort of creative and um, hard-hitting organisation that's been around for about 10 years. Do you want to say anything about that, just as a sort of little brief example of vignette of of some advocacy work?
1: I think um, anyone that doesn't know about the Climate and Health Alliance um, definitely needs to get involved. I think... I really have a lot of respect for what they're putting together. Um, It's essentially, it's um, approaching climate action from a health perspective. So the Climate Health Alliance is uh, I think about 45 now, peak um, health bodies, including the AASW. Um, And yeah, we went down to Canberra. There's about 35 of us um, and split into groups and went and spoke to ministers and and senators. Uh, And it was good. I mean, advocacy stuff often, um, you'll speak to those who are willing to speak to you. So there's a, there's an element of preaching to the converted, I guess. Um, but basically it was trying to, um, get people to commit to actions that would put bring, bring forth, um, a national framework for climate action, uh, actually as legislation, you know, um, which, you know, it's kind of silly that we don't have that already. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous, but. Um, that's what Kaha are trying to do. And uh, that's very good. Um, I've just gotten an email from uh, one of the Kaha staff members actually about visiting my local member here, um, who's Karen Andrews. So that might be coming up soon as well. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of, um, I, I consider that kind of MISO level, I guess, that's working with an alliance, a network, you know, to try and advocate, to try and coordinate advocacy efforts. Um and, yeah, they're super important. I think the Climate and Health Alliance are, are great. Yeah,
0: and it struck me, Benny, you know, I mean, I, I know they've, you know, been pushing that sort of link for a long time, but, you know, trying to link it back to um, social work specifically, again, for listeners, you know, making some of the bridges, I suppose, between um, – you know, it, it, the social dimension of social work, you know, has has been there, you know, forever. You know, back since the seventies. You know, social systems focus and all that. But you know, that more recent discussion about the social determinants of health and well-being, which a lot of social workers would be more than familiar with. You know, in terms of the the the, the income levels of their clients, the housing provision or lack of it. You know, their their food security and stuff like that. And now we're sort of bridging this over to understand that it's also about the physical determinants of health, you know, the impact of heat waves, for instance, Um, smoke inhalation. I mean, you were talking about the 2019-2020 bushfire season that, that supposedly killed possibly up to 400 people. In terms of exacerbating existing respiratory conditions, the smoke particles far, far more than were killed by the direct uh, impacts of the the fires, this sort of stuff that goes on almost behind the radar, but is increasingly understood, you know, the physical determinants of health and well being linking closely to the social determinants of health and well being.
1: Yeah, that's right. And the Climate and Health Alliance have some pretty good stats up there um, for information there because I, um, as a, a fellow in the northern half of this country, we don't deal with bushfires anywhere near the southern half of the country, um, well, until 2019. But, um, yeah, so the smoke inhalation and the heatwave stuff is not something that I have direct experience with, but it, it's uh, I think the Caha site says that it's the number one health killer or um, number one human uh, killer in an environmental uh, regard mm. so that that's yeah yeah it's intense
0: and again, just bringing it down to brass tacks, you know, in terms of, you know, human, not just health and well-being, but actually survival. So it's very valid, you know, to be involved with that sort of uh, those topics. Mm-hmm. Look, Benny, you know, you've given us a multitude of great ideas um, here, you know, just those those ideas about how we can actually move forward. I, I, I mean, the, one of the big themes from you is get active, you know, get involved as a professional, as a worker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a valid um, thing to be doing. But um just to round this up, this uh, discussion, do you have any, you know, shorter take home messages, you know, on that basis of look, people tend to remember the first thing they heard, the last thing they heard, any sort of spiel. So do you have a sort of, you know, like a concluding take home message or one or two key ideas from the conversation today that might help sum up your particular take on the subject of eco-social work practice in Australia in 2021?
1: Well, I, I mean, you know, Andrew, I, I could probably talk for a couple of that. you and I, I could probably talk for a couple of days about some of this. We, we can edit it like, down.
0: We can edit it. We can edit it down into a short. <laughs>
1: file. Yeah, there you go. Sure, everyone is safe. Um, I would just raise a couple of points. I think yes, it is. It is about act. I think that's that's what I'm always about. I think read the Drawdown Project. Um, read Dark Yumi while you're at it, because cultural determinants are uh, part of this space as well. Um, I think um. Get onto Climate and Health Alliance. Um, get involved in advocacy in any way you can in your team meetings at work. Raise, you know, people with bloody paper cups and whatever. Raise whether they've got styrofoam in the kitchen at work. You know, with your clients, talk. Use use climate and understanding of environment around people as part of the assessment. Um, but I think you know, act, act, act is good. And you know, we talk about emergency all the time as well. And that word just gives me the jitters. Um, so I think it's really important that people pace themselves as too, as well, you know, we're social workers, so we also understand self-care and supervision. So just, you know, do those as well. That's, that's very important. Um, and uh, the only other thing I wanted to say, Andrew, is the state budget came out, uh, whenever it was last month. And I, um, I got the chance to, uh, kind of read through that on behalf of the branch, if you like, and have a look at what, uh, climate action stuff was in there. And although there was no section on climate action itself, there, there's quite a bit in there. Um, but what strikes me, and this is, and I'm only raising this because this goes back to the idea of systems work and social workers being so important in that space, is this, there, there's something, I don't know, there's billions of dollars worth of infrastructure being built. New highways, new hospitals, um, the police are getting a bunch of new cars. There's all this funding for um, building. And I think... The very why this why it's so important that this is understood as a systems concept is because they can they've got a renewable energy fund in there as well that's getting all this money. Um, I think part of that's going towards gas, which is unfortunate. But you know, we we there's a state budget that has all this stuff about it about climate action in it, but a lot of it is um, reactive, and none of it's linked. So, you know, they're building new air conditioners in the schools. Uh, are they going to be run by solar? Because there's also a solar program for schools, but are the other are are the programs talking to each other? You know, it's the linkage and the systems connection that will make future budgets make a lot more sense because you read that and it's a lot of building and then it has various stuff about environmental stuff in it. But why isn't all the new building green? Why aren't the building codes updated yet? Where's the support for alternative building industries? You know, that that's why we need systems engagement in this. Um, but, yes, but take care of yourselves, guys.
0: I think, look, just before you go, Benny, I, I, that is such a valid point. I mean, one of the things um, – that I came across, you know, I mean, going back to pure environmentalism, which is an area I came from, you know, training in environmental science back in the 70s and then up, you know, all the way through the subsequent decades, triple bottom line was a concept. Everything is joined to everything else, or at least it should be. We know that the environment is joined to the economy, which is joined to society in so many myriad ways you know an event in one area has so many knock-on effects in others and so it's absolutely key and essential for the future that we plan in a systematic way that recognizes that holistic interdependency of economy environment and society but as you rightly point out even though despite the the beautiful you know headline um pr spiel about the budget and this sort of thing um and good though it is you know quite a large amount of money supposedly going to stuff like in queensland state anyway renewable energy zonation green hydrogen manufacture you know uh, for the use in use of steel refining stuff like this electric vehicle manufacture as i understand it you yeah. know in queens fantastic
1: but my you know reading, my are, readings in there as well which i thought was really good yeah yeah
0: but are the dots being joined up um where's that yeah. where's the actual systematic plan that the public can go and access and see about this stuff you know i mean yeah
1: it, and where's the acknowledgement that of that i mean I almost think we should do an acknowledgement at the start of meetings and, and um, days, courses and stuff, along the same lines as we do for First Nations people. Do the First Nations one first, then do a climate acknowledgement. You know, it needs it, we need that level of appreciation that this is um, a, a truly trying time
0: and i think you know again in terms of what we're doing today we're talking about these ideas everyone you know is um, subscribing to this view that the more conversations we can have you know the the very first step in getting this more visionary but frankly realistic sustainable agenda properly integrated and functioning as opposed to it simply being a sort of PR exercise as it often has been in the past is talking about it seriously and you know pushing our our leaders and our decision makers to get serious on this stuff and start incorporating it and embedding it in budgetary planning as you imply and other uh, you know policy and strategic um, decision making processes yeah
1: absolutely Andrew absolutely
0: Well, look. Anyway, that completes the interview, Benny. Fantastic. um, You know, last little uh, pointer there. Um, I just want to thank you. I know that you are a social worker who walks the talk um, on eco-social work and finds, you know, every single opportunity you can to embed it in your own work and and put the message out there to others. So it's been an absolute delight to talk to you today. Um, I'm certain. Thanks, Andrew. Ah, well, it just goes without saying. I'm certain you've given our audience some great ideas which can help inform their own thinking. And that's part of the key idea behind this podcast series. Get them thinking, get them talking to colleagues, having conversations and collaborations around the subject of eco-social work adoption with their friends, colleagues, in their employing organisations or professional associations. So it just remains for me, on behalf of the householder's options to protect the environment um, um, organisation that's helped support this podcast series, to thank you so much for your comments today.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to a podcast episode in the series Eco-Social Work in Australia, produced for Householders' options to protect the environment. Please consult the episode text notes for possible references to topics discussed and relevant contact details should you wish to respond to anything you've heard. My name is Andrew Nicholson, producer of the series, and thank you for listening.